Yeah. Way of the Warrior, your MMA show. Ten yeah, seconds. into it. Wow, he might get it. Ten it's all Way of the Warrior. One of his legs could fight it well through it, I'm sure. Probably. Full mount, here's some ground and I think the first two minutes were everything we thought it was going to be, and then after that, it was the surprise of the night. If it happens in MMA, you hear about it here. Your MMA show, Way of the Warrior. It is Way of the Warrior. Eric Hulgren along with Ken Evans covering everything in the world of mixed martial arts. Before we start the show, want to shout out to the podcast movement on Facebook. They uh, put us in their list of podcasts to check out in April, so I just wanted to say thank you for the shout out. Does that mean we got to do one every week? It does mean oh. we have to do one every week. Wow. Which we have done for 10 years. So. Oh, okay. We're sort of like Bellator. We, we just keep doing them, yes. but nobody notices. No one notices, and the ratings go lower <laughs> and lower and lower and lower. Things should pick up this weekend, though. We'll get to that in a bit. Bellator this weekend, they're, they're doing part, what, three of their 73 yes. weeks of the heavyweight Grand Prix? If you want to know who the heavyweight champ at Bellator is, 222 is uh, when you will get that. So 21 events from now is when you will get the... Fair enough. Okay, so we obviously had a huge event over the weekend. Huge. Which, uh, yes. Should have been huge. Should have been Should have been somebody playing into the possible position of title contender if they had a win. Would you not agree, though, before we get into details, that this weekend and this month by proxy makes the lightweight division the most competitive and interesting in the UFC? I think by virtue of things in and outside of the cage, of course. <laughs> I also think that's why there's not a lot of wiggle room here, and I'm very surprised how many people online are basically saying, okay, yeah, Kevin Lee's back in the title picture, even though he didn't fight at the weight that people are talking about him being in the title yeah, picture but it was for. Ju- it was just timing. He's going to hire a nutritionist. I understand this. He, I mean, he had, eight, he had eight weeks to hit it, but he didn't have enough time. I Look, there were, there were some legitimate things that seemed strange, and obviously the commissions, uh, we've talked about this before, they, they've got different rules, and there was an issue with the sauna. And most other divisions, you know what, a guy comes in, and again, he was only a pound over. He wasn't allowed to go back in and try to cut that pound, but... In this situation, I think it's very interesting that we've got such a shark tank as far as that division goes that that we talked about ad nauseum at this point, and people are going, okay, Kevin Lee's right back in it. So I have to ask you, considering that he didn't make weight, and and we'll talk about the things that happened. Let me me lay out what he says happened for people that don't know, because I didn't know the whole timeline. I know he had talked about uh, a sauna not being open and other things like that. Essentially, what he did is he stepped on the scale and weighed 157. That's one pound over the allowed limit for non-title fights in the lightweight division. Correct. He had to forfeit 20% of his purse to Edson Barboza. He dominated the fight, won the decision there. He thought that the New Jersey Athletic Commission would allow him another hour to cut weight. That was not the case. Once you step on the scale, that is your weight. I I do know that that is different in some places. Some places we've seen guys, they've been given more time, even with the early weigh-ins and other issues. Uh, He also wanted to get in the sauna at 5 in the morning, apparently, at the hotel. They didn't let him in until 5.45. That doesn't sound like a huge deal, but it can throw you off when you're trying to cut just another pound. He said that he did not feel like he couldn't have cut that pound. He said he his body never reached a point where it was breaking down. It just became a factor that he ran out of time, which is a pretty big factor when you've got to make weight. All of that said, he weighs 157, misses weight by a pound, dominates Edson Barboza. This was a fight that could have been dangerous. Which has nothing to do with the pound, so stop talking that the nothing one Nothing to do with the pound. Zero to do with the pound. Dominates Edson Barboza, and a lot of us thought in the MMA... Uh, 
analyst industry that Edson could probably give him some trouble and maybe test him. Uh, he dominated that fight. He looked great. Beats him. But now we get to the point where we have to go back and we have to look at that division and figure out what's going on. I know he's the UFC's featured fighter right now, so they certainly probably want him in the discussion when we're talking about about who's going to uh, be fighting for that lightweight title. It will be him. You think so? 100%. And here, so Do you ag- Okay. The talk is that it will be him, that he's going to be up near the top of the division now. Do you agree with that considering how close everybody at the top of that division is at this point. Well, here's a couple things to take one step back and then go forward. One, while he didn't make weight and it's unprofessional, I do think that there's room for a debate that these morning weigh-ins suck for fighters making weight. I don't care. They know that they got to make weight that morning. This isn't new. This isn't the two months in, three months into this thing. Not what I'm saying. What I would say, though, is... Like many things on the show, we look for a pattern of consistent behavior. Mm-hmm. He barely made weight against Tony Ferguson, missed weight against. Remember, he weighed in with 30 seconds left to go. Right. With Ferguson misses weight against Barboza. He's got to make an actual change because, yeah, they're not going to change the morning workouts. I'm just saying it makes a difference. Whatever that difference is. It makes a difference to these fighters because more and more of them are missing weight. What is their cutoff at this point? Uh, well, well it was that day it was 11 o'clock our time. So, yeah, 11 a.m. And then he's fighting at 8. Uh, that's card starts, I should say. Main card starts at 8 the next night, right? Correct. So, I don't know. Um, the, the, reason, <clears throat> the reason, excuse me, we set this up essentially was for fighter safety. So there wouldn't be that cut and they would be so drained just 24 hours after the fight. You essentially get the whole day. I do understand that a lot of these guys are working towards being primed at 11 o'clock at night if they're in the main event. Right. And is that why you think these early morning weigh-ins are unfair? Well, I think... I'm not saying they're fair or unfair. I'm saying they're making a difference in one of... And my non-scientific approach to this would be you're sleeping, and by sleeping, you're unable to lose weight while you're sleeping, and then you have to get up, and you have this tiny window if you're threading the needle. And again, we could talk about should you thread should, the needle. Yes. If you're threading the needle, you have zero room for error. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely a situation where you've, you've got to essentially be at your weight the night before. I really think so. And I get that these guys don't want to necessarily have to be cutting the night before but if you're going to weigh in whatever time it is in the morning and you are trying to prime for an 11 o'clock fight the next night uh, that's a situation a lot of the guys are going to have to start looking at and I think it is a natural result of everybody having to fight closer to their weight you have to be closer to your weight to be able to be healthy and be able to walk in at 11 in the morning and weigh in at your fight weight and I don't know if saying, okay, man, he was just a pound over. Let's go ahead and just put him where he's number five and Ferguson's out for how long. And we know Eddie Alvarez isn't going to be there. So, blah, what do we do? Does that make him jump a guy like Dustin Poirier just because his fight was more impressive if you want to put somebody in there against Habib? Yes. It does. Yes. I th- I think, I, if, think if you I think want, if you want the weight cut to do what it's supposed to do and the weigh-ins to do what they're supposed to do, it shouldn't because these guys are going to keep Basically trying to thread the needle and going, man, if I miss in my fight, uh, if it's only a pound or so, they're not going to care. I'll still get my title shot as long as I can win. So I'm still going to try to cut it, you know, at five in the morning, which seems like a stupid plan. I'll be honest. And you're telling me the four, if the 45 minutes make that big of a difference, you need to cut it before that. You need to be closer. I agree with all of that stuff. But 
we're switching roles today because you and I both know they've got a $400 million nut to hit every single year. And if you want money, to me, the money fight is Kevin Lee and Nurmagomedov if Connor's not available. Money fight's Nate Diaz and Nurmagomedov. <laughs> you got to get Nate in there, though. Sure. I don't care where he's ranked. Nate Diaz is a money he's fight. He's always the money fight, but he's not currently in play. Is he not? I thought he was coming back. Not currently in play. Okay, whatever. When we he, don't know. When he, he shows up, then, okay, we can have this conversation. Well, throw a lot of money at Nate Diaz, because I don't think Kevin Lee should be in the fight. And I know that's going to piss a lot of people no, off. I, I love watching Kevin Lee fight. I don't think he should be in the fight at this point. I, I mean, there's, here's the guys I'd put ahead of him. I'd put Poirier ahead of him. I'd put uh, Connor ahead of him. I'd put probably, I mean, Gaethje's right there. Gaethje's coming off a loss. I know, man. I loved watching him fight, though. I, but I, I mean, like, I get it. You would love seeing that fight because here's the thing. Styles make fights, and Gaethje is a way better striker than Nurmagomedov is, which makes for an interesting fight. I'm not doubting you there. I just think it's hard to go. No, I know. You missed a well, pound. That's why, hey, I said, you missed a pound, so go to the back of the line, and we're going to take the no, guy no, no. off a loss. I said right there, close. Okay. Hey, Gaethje made weight, right? The sport is not making weight. Michael Chandler makes It's part of it. <laughs> Michael Chandler makes weight. Right? Fair enough. I'm just I, saying. Michael Chandler, who said he'd beat Nurmagomedov 10 out of 10 times, right? He's full of it, but yes. He'd make weight 10 out of 10 he times. He'd make weight 10 out I'll give you that if that's the champion. You know who hasn't made weight 10 out of 10 times? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, Nate Diaz. I put Nate Diaz ahead of it. And that's not taking anything away from Kevin Lee, but I just think if you want to give a guy a title shot, he should have made the weight the last time. That he fought. So let's pretend that you're not super mad about this, and that is the fight that they do, because I think that's the fight they're going to do. You think that our next fight is going to be Kevin Lee Khabib? If Connor's not available, yeah. If it's Connor, not going to be Poirier, if who Connor, made weight and won. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Go ahead. And so who wins that fight? Kevin Lee and Khabib? Yes. I think Khabib's going to win that fight. I don't know why. I feel like, I feel like we have to test Kevin Lee one more time. Before he's really going to be there. And maybe he has learned a ton. He said he learned a ton in that Tony Ferguson fight. He looked like he learned a ton. He did look like he learned a ton. And I want to give him a lot of credit there. But I feel like there's one more like hump before he really gets there. I, to, Kevin Lee's a guy that could lose to Khabib and then beat him next time around. Are you saying that because of Edson Barboza's terrible fight IQ in that third round? I didn't think... Man, I didn't. that did not look like Edson Barboza in that fight, did it? No, but... Which is why I say when you head kick a guy in the next Tuesday and then you like I looked his record up after that fight because I wanted to know Edson Barboza has never submitted a human being in his career. Yeah. So head kicking a guy and going for a guillotine is very weird. No, I, well, I, I thought that was really weird, too. Well, at first it was so weird. I, I thought almost Kevin Lee was playing possum and Edson didn't want to get sucked in. Like he didn't believe he actually caught him that square. Yep. Because Kevin had his baby deer legs going. Uh, and then some. And then some. Uh, so I, I thought, oh, maybe, maybe he's trying to sucker him in because, you know, that's not Edson's game is to get on the ground. He's going to maybe try to suck him in and do a little something on the ground. I don't know. And then I realized, oh, he did actually catch him. What's he? Do? Oh, he's going. What is he doing? I thought he was going to stand back and either throw some punches or maybe try to mount and square up. But that was weird that he kind of went in the way he did to try to finish that fight. And it was it was a, it was a little bit of a weird situation. Uh, to watch that happen. I just feel like Kevin Lee is that guy. He definitely looks like a guy who could be a champion. I feel like there's one more fight, though, that has to happen. Because well, if he gets cracked like that with Khabib, game is over, guys. 
Uh, yes. It could be ugly on the ground, too. I th- well, it will be interesting on the ground because they, they fight in very different styles. I think Khabib is one of those guys that can take you down in any position, which makes his wrestling, I feel, better than Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's ground and pound, I think, is better than Khabib's because they, they both... Right, but my point being, if Khabib catches him, it doesn't matter how good your ground and pound is if you're getting pounded by Khabib. Yes, because the thing that Khabib does... so. Kevin, if you look at his mount, what he's trying to do is he's trying to make you work to get out of mount. And as your arms and legs are further occupied, he's pounding you to death as you're trying to get out. Mm -hmm. What Khabib does is in jujitsu, they call it, you know, building a structure to get out, right? Putting your your elbows down on the mat, your mat, (coughs) your hands on the mat, you're like trying to build yourself out of mount, which is a terrible position in any fight. Right. What Khabib does is he's pulling your elbows up and pushing your legs down and deconstructing that while he's punishing you. So there are two different ways to handle when you're in a dominant position. To your point, if we look at the Tony Ferguson fight, when Kevin is in a non-dominant position and things are raining down on his head, it makes it really, really hard for him to perform, right? Right, except he didn't have to deal with that. I think if he deals with that, that fight's over. Then we're not even having this discussion. No, I don't think Ed's, I don't think Edson Barboza is going to jump Poirier even if he wins that fight. Is he? No, no way. No, no, because no, he had already lost to Khabib. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, we don't even have this discussion. If a veteran would have actually fought like a veteran in that fight, which is still is very weird. It was very weird, but like there was to me, there were things that Kevin Lee did that were super smart. Fighting a southpaw, super smart thing to do. Hmm. Oh, for sure. You know, because you're getting out of the way of one of Barboza's main weapons, which is that right knee, right? Like, you're out of the way of that when you go for takedowns. Instead of blasting right into one of his weapons, you're going around it. Mm-hmm. Now that opens you up for the head kick, which is exactly what happened. Yep. Um, but again, when Edson Barboza or whatever version of Edson Barboza shows up and thinks he's Eddie Bravo, you get a good chance to recover. <laughs> And continue to fight, you know? Wait, is he wearing track pants to the strip club? I don't yeah. know what you mean by that. Yes. yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right, your thoughts on uh, Frankie Edgar's performance? I did not see that fight, actually. I okay. only saw the main event. So Frankie ends up winning in the most Frankie way possible and then says that he's like to wait and see what happens with Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. How did Frankie look to you? Uh, he looked great if you're going to fight Cub Swanson for the title. You know, and the thing about Cub, where Cub has always struggled, in my opinion, is multitasking in the octagon. He had flawless takedown defense. Frankie could not take him down, but he couldn't have flawless takedown defense and be putting on sublime striking at the same time. When he was able to let go, he was able to get some stuff to happen, but he couldn't do those two things in tandem, which is why Frankie was able to take him apart. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see that with Max Holloway or the somehow seven-foot-tall Brian Ortega who looks like a giant in there at that weight class. So do you still think this was a bad move, even though that Frankie Edgar, because we both agreed last week, we thought it was a bad move, I thought it was even a ba- with a win. I thought it was a bad move. I mean, he proved us wrong by getting a win, but I don't know that I saw anything on Saturday night other than vindication that he could come back and win. And beat a guy like Cub Swanson. Beat a guy like Cub Swanson. Does that mean he's back well, as far as the title picture be, goes, he's, yes, been, because, he's been the lingerer for because years. Because that weight class is so shallow, yes. But do I think he has a shot against either one of those guys? No. Hmm. That's interesting, too. 
because that weight class was such a pain in the ass for such a long time. And now they're looking for fighters to kind of fill things out there. Yeah, that's what it feels like sometimes. Because who else is in the title hunt? I mean, you got Brian Ortega. That's it, right? That's it. After after Holloway beats him, what's he going to do? Because they're not going to put Jose back in there. No. Right? He beat him twice in a row. That's true. Yeah, it's it's tough down there. Maybe uh, Connor will go back down there instead. Or Max comes up, right? Max comes up. You want him to come up? Do I want him to come up? I I don't like. We've talked. To we Max, almost had that fight. We've talked to Max a couple times. He's a guy who wants to fight. He's a you know he's got that Hawaiian warrior spirit about him. So to me, ooh if, the the Hawaiian blood. If you've beat everybody in the weight class and defended your belt x amount of times, I don't. I don't feel, and I don't obviously know Max as a friend, but I don't feel Max is the guy who's going to do the Demetrius Johnson and just try and beat the record for defenses as opposed to test himself by, and I'm not saying one's right or the other, but Max feels like a guy who'd be like, all right, I did that thing. This thing at lightweight looks ridiculous. Let's go up there and play there. That could be the next move for Max Holloway, which makes things even more interesting. If Does he give the title up? What happens there? Does Frankie Edgar worm his way? Now, I shouldn't say worm. I, I have a lot of respect for Frankie Edgar, but the way this division's looking, I certainly think it would be uh, very lucky and a fortuitous set of circumstances, and that could put him back into title contention and maybe give him a championship shot in this division. Against Brian Ortega, again. Against Brian Ortega. <laughs> then Jose Aldo will be happy. He can start fighting those guys again. Right, because that whole division will kind of <laughs> wipe itself out. Uh, the other bit of news that came out of this past week um, heading into the fights on Saturday night was the story surrounding Leslie Smith. Are you aware of this? Uh, Leslie Smith is one of the fighters who's really been pushing for the UFC to unionize. She's the one that takes the voting cards in. Yep. She's walked around to fighters. She said she's felt a lot of heat from the UFC, and they essentially bought her contract out. Yeah, so what happened is she's ahead of the thing is called Project Spearhead. That's what they're doing to try and unionize the fighters and protect them. So Aspen Ladd misses weight. And Leslie Smith says, hey, I'll take the fight if you re-sign my deal, because that was the f- last fight on her deal. Mm-hmm. And they, she put out an offer, and they said no. And she put out another offer, and they said no. And they countered and said, we're going to pay you your show money and your win b- money. Thank you very much. We're done with you. They basically paid her off. And then, yeah, and then that was the end of her contract. So what do you think about this? Well, one, they're not very consistent, Right. With the way in which they do these sorts of things, which I think will be problematic for them. And two, it's also problematic that you and I have have been in corporate America for a long time. It doesn't feel like they have a paper trail of problems with Leslie Smith that makes it so that terminating her isn't vindictive because of the Project Spearhead. Okay, the word you just used, though, is incorrect. They didn't terminate her. They literally bought out the contract they had already had an agreement with her for. That's where the legal armchair quarterbacking comes into play. And again, I'm not a lawyer. Eric's not a lawyer. But this is a very different situation than taking somebody who's under contract and then cutting them off. Yes. They bought out and they paid every dime they owed her within that contract. Yes. Now, they didn't let her fight. I mean, this this goes to one of those situations where... You know, is she going to be able to go to Bellator or go to Invicta or go somewhere else? And I guess that's where my armchair quarterbacking comes in is I wonder when you're talking about a contract, the contract says that you're you have one fight left on your contract Mm -hmm. and they decide. And I mean, arbitrarily, literally, because they change their mind on what this thing means. You know, it's not as if here's my example. Conor McGregor throws a dolly through a bus. Right. They pay. Ray Borg and Mike Chiesa, 
but they don't knock two fights off their contracts. Mm-hmm. No, I'm 100% right? understanding the situation. I just feel like she's got she's going to have a very tough legal road to hoe, and I'm honestly not sure how I feel about it at this point. I'm not sure either. I just think it's a fascinating story, and, and the thing that fascinates me is from a, again, I'm not a lawyer, you're not a lawyer, the fact that they're totally inconsistent in these weird payouts when stuff like this happens, when people don't miss weight or can't make the fight, or because they had another fighter where that happened and they paid that fighter half of his show money because his opponent couldn't fight. Right. Right. So there's all sorts of. I think I think there's I, I certainly think there's legal standing, but I did want to point out what you said, because I'm seeing a lot of that online. And that's wrong because the legal standing jumps tremendously if she's terminated correct you are Tre- one it jumps yes. tremendously i'm not saying she doesn't have a leg to stand on here i think that there's going to be a lot to say hey i've won three out of four fights i'm in the top 10 in the rankings you've got a division that's light already you had me under contract for a fight and then you decide to buy out my contract so i'm never in your locker room right yes she certainly has a case but i do feel like there was a lot more of what you said in the way you framed it whether or not that was intentional or not no, that i've seen it was not intentional and obviously that is a big Thing to That's going to so, be a big sticking point yes. as far as moving ahead legally. It'll be interesting to see at this point because not only is she going to um, obviously retain legal um, representation for this, but I'm, I'm sure the National Labor Relations Board, they're the ones that actually collect the authorization cards whenever somebody wants to try to unionize. Yep, uh, She's obviously going to be working with them, and the fact that she was so instrumental in how this was going in the UFC you know, may not have may not have shined a great light on her as far as the upper brass was concerned. And in many cases, when these things happen, somebody has to be the martyr. Somebody has to be right. the sacrifice for this. And um, she may end up being that. What I thought was interesting, though, is that the legal case, to your point, to kind of refine this, is not necessarily on what they did, but how they randomly do it. Right. It certainly seems kind of weird here. I- I'm wondering if this... You know, and this this all goes back to the fact that uh, uh, duh, 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 who 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 missed weight? Aspen Lad. Yes. This is a very interesting situation because you have to wonder if the UFC was just going to let this thing run out. I mean, they you know for 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 female fighters, especially that far down in the rankings. Yes, she's top ten, but as far as female fighters going, who who knows who? I mean, uh, that's not that big of a draw. You have to wonder if Aspen Lad doesn't miss weight. She goes out there, takes a loss or takes a win. Let's say she takes a loss because then that puts Leslie Smith still in that advantageous, am I going to get re-signed position? She goes out there, fights her fight, and UFC, hey, we just don't need you. Even though you're like a top 10, we don't need somebody here. That's a lot different situation. So, yes. I mean, I think Leslie Smith, look, this is this is tough for her. I know her family was there to see her fight. She wanted to take another fight. She said, when's my next fight since you still owe me a fight on the contract? I don't need this. Win bonus. Just give me my fight. There's going to be a there could be a bit of a silver lining here because this becomes when you talk about terminated versus paying out contract versus working through your contract and finishing your contract. There's a step above in egregiousness when you go to she didn't even have to fight that last fight. Okay, there's a little bit of something that's kind of strange. That's something that's going to maybe fly as far as a judge goes. Because if she had gone in, well, I'm sorry, you fought your yep. fight, and you may have been unionizing, but you fought all your fights, and you completed your contract, and they just didn't want to be in business with you anymore. I 100% agree with you. Now, the one thing I will say, guys, as you're listening to the show, neither Ken nor I have seen a UFC contract. So we're saying a lot of this 
Well, a lot of this is supposition, but she talked She talked pretty openly, I believe, the weekend of the fight with Luke Thomas about this. Yes. And I, I actually heard some of her discussion, and she got very emotional in that situation uh, because as she was going through the interview, you could tell she's having realizations, Don, as Luke kind of asks these questions. Because sometimes you go through these things and you don't realize where you are in life or what's actually happening until somebody goes, hey, um, what's going on here? What are you going to do in the future? Are you going to be able to fight? Are you going to be able to unionize? And she's realizing in all of this, I don't know if I'm going to fight again, and this is what I've done. I've been trying. There could be a UFC union. We don't know how many of those cards were turned in for authorization with Leslie Smith not being a part of it, Yep. which is kind of mind-blowing considering she's been a driving force in Project Spearhead at this point. Yeah, it was her and a lawyer, right, as I understand the story? Yeah, and it's another interesting thing, too, is because uh, I'll refer back and give credit to Luke Thomas. He talked about the fact that sometimes he talks to other guys over at SiriusXM or other guys in the business, and whenever something crazy happens in the UFC, the Conor McGregor fight, uh, or the Conor McGregor incident, I should say. He fought the bus. It's okay. He fought the bus was a great example where he had NFL guys and he had MLB guys and NBA guys going, man, what, what, is, uh, what is the fighters union going to do to him? <laughs> what? There is no fighters union. Yeah. And that's, that's insane to some sports reporters and to people that cover athletics and big-time professional big-money things like this. That there is no fighters union, and there may be one day, but Leslie Smith might not be a part of it. Which is insane to think. All right, so uh, a bunch of other news has happened, uh, and we'll get into it towards the end of the show, but I do want to transition into this weekend in the Windy City as Bellator 198 hits Chicago, uh, more specifically the Rosemont Horizon. The Rosemont Horizon. Yes. Isn't it the Sears Center it's or something all state, all state Arena? Right, all State Arena. Um, I don't know what it is anymore. You get Frank Mir and Fedor fighting in round three of 27 in the Bellator <laughs> heavyweight tournament. <laughs> Yes. Uh, which, I mean, I, we still have another fight to go after this. We still have the yeah. Bader King Mo fight, no, right? No, that's what I'm saying. Oh and that's May, right? I think yeah, that's before we get to the semifinals. Yes. Which I don't think we have. Uh, I don't know if we have events locked out for that yet. I'm going to go through real quick on Wiki while you run that down. About the semifinals? Yeah, I don't know that I've seen anything. So, okay, so you've got Fedor and Mir. What's interesting about this fight, and we were talking about this off air, is Mir said something this week on the MMA Hour that I found really interesting when he was talking about holes in Fedor's game. And he was saying that he thinks the biggest detriment and the biggest cause for Fedor's fall from grace, so to speak, is the fact that he transitioned from a ring to an octagon or a ring to a cage, and that doesn't suit his style. Mm. Sambo is done on a mat. There are no borders or boundaries, right? Right. He spent most of his time in pride fighting in a ring. And whenever they tie up in the ropes, they pull him in. They pull him in. Sets up perfect for a style like that, right? Right. Um, and, you know, he's gotten older, obviously. He's gotten a little bit more reckless. Wiser. Um, I don't know. I don't know about wiser. I will say more reckless. But I thought what an interesting take that I'd never heard anyone say talking about this transition. And maybe, like, fans have said this, but I've never heard Dana White say it or Ariel Hawani or Luke Thomas or, like, no one has kind of gone, well, I wonder what the transition from ring to octagon has done to Fedor's game well uh, if you want to go back pride never die days I remember back when we we sat in my living room and watched Chuck Liddell get totally annihilated yes by uh was it Rampage it was Rampage was it Rampage or was it Alistair I couldn't remember did he beat Alistair 
It was either Alistair or Rampage. Yeah, I don't. All I remember is Dana White freaking out the whole time, saying he's not doing his kicks, he's not doing his kicks. But there was a lot of interesting – it might have been Alistair. Um, somebody will tweet us, I'm sure, before the end of this and let us know. Um, but I thought it was interesting because if it, it was in the fight and it almost looked like Chuck Liddell was getting the ring cut off in a traditional boxing manner. And that's one of those things that was really interesting to kind of watch because you would never have to deal with that in a cage. Uh, you would never have to worry about that in a cage. It was Quinton uh, who actually beat him. He beat Alice there in the first round of that Pride Total gotcha. Elimination. So Quinton was actually, he had been fighting in Japan obviously a long time. Right, yes. And he knew how to kind of work the ring as opposed to a cage. Uh, and I think you saw some of the back in the day with Chuck Liddell. So the inverse, of course, that's something that can be true. You can't cut somebody off in a circle the same way you can when you find a corner, which is which is something not necessarily that Fedor was the best at, but he certainly kind of felt his way around in there. I think more to your point, Sambo's not in a cage. When you're fighting in a ring, if you get all caught up in the ropes or something else happens, you get pushed back in. You don't just get set back against the ropes. No, you get pushed back in the middle. You get put pushed back in the middle. That rarely is ever going to happen inside a cage. So your spacing can be off. You could be thrown off. I do think... More than anything, though, that Fedor that we've seen in cages isn't the same Fedor we saw back in those Pride Never Die days. When those no, because he's, what, 41 today? 41. Those dudes were putting 100,000 miles a year on their cars, essentially. That's yeah. how they fought back then. Yep. I watched a really uh, interesting video of uh, Shogun's highlights back when he won uh, the Grand Prix back Grand in Pride. Prix, yeah. And, and, yeah, no wonder that dude basically kind of fell off the cliff once he— once he started losing fights in the UFC because he put 100,000 miles on his body a year in pride. That's yep. how those guys did it. Yes. So I think that has a lot more to do with it than cage to ring transition. Certainly something interesting. I don't know. It'll be an interesting weekend. I'll probably try to tune in. Um, what do you think happens? In I have fight? no idea, man. Because there's some Fedor against anybody in the top five, top ten, I think is going to take a loss. I don't know if Frank Mir's there anymore. Frank Mir's a guy who's been fighting almost as long as Fedor. Not necessarily against the Monsters. And not as busy. He hasn't fought in two no. years. Well, and even back then, not as busy. Obviously, he had the motorcycle accident that put him on the shelf for a yes. while. I mean, you know, one of those stories that we talk about sometimes on the show is the untapped potential of Frank Mir. And what if that hadn't happened right when it did? Because he was a guy on the mat that was as good as anybody in the UFC. And he was a heavyweight. Oh, he's and he won, moved like I mean, You go to your Eddie Bravo. You know, comparison, he was Eddie Bravo at heavyweight yep. in a division that knew nothing about that, did not know what to do with that back when he had the motorcycle accident. So you've certainly got a couple names here. You've got an interesting fight to headline the card. You've got something that people are going to tune into. Frank Mir apparently has more motivation than just winning the Bellator heavyweight title because he wants a third fight with Brock Lesnar. Which I think is very interesting. He's been talking about that this week. And what's the other thing, just for some context, is somebody else who was in this tournament, uh, when we talk about the potential, we were all excited about Frank Mir's jiu-jitsu, then the accident happens as he comes back. And, you know, that was one of the more interesting things about Roy Nelson's rise in the Tough House is that he had submitted Frank Mir in 2003 at Grappler's right. Quest, right? Right. Is that the sport kind of passed him by. As it does, um, Father Time is undefeated, and I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know that I care about Frank Mir and Brock Lesnar. I think when we're talking about money fights, that's not one of them. That is one of them. No, it's not. You, you need one half of that fight to you make. You literally money. think Brock versus anybody is a money fight? Yes. Okay. What was the undercard? What was the co-main event on UFC 200? Tons of respect in the world for both of them. Co-main event wasn't that Bisbing Henderson? 
No, that was no, that was ninety ninety nine. Um, co-main event was Jones. Nope, that fight blew up. Remember? Oh yes. Oh, so it would have been uh, Cormier and Silva. That wasn't the co-main. What was the co-main? The co-main was Misha Tate. Never heard of her. <laughs> Misha, wasn't that Tate and Holm? Probably, yeah. I believe that was Misha Tate and Holly Holm. I know Misha Tate was it, but that's, and that was one of the top UFC pay-per-views in the past five years. Other than Conor McGregor, you don't get any higher. And that was Brock coming off a three, four-year absence against a top ten guy. That people, yes, respect, but Mark Hunt's not selling million pay-per-views. No, You've, I- Look, I, to- I said this last week, probably two weeks ago. Of course, you want to make both sides of the fight big. And if they do only get Brock back on occasion, yes, they're going to want to make that Brock Stipe or Brock DC if possible. But let's not delude ourselves here and not think people aren't going to buy Brock and Mir, especially third time. Okay, so They're both older. It, let's say Mir's able to make a nice run through this Bellator tournament. I'd have to go look at the brackets. Yeah, okay, but the quick. Bellator tournament ends in 2020. When is he going to fight <laughs> Brock Lesnar? Well, that, that's another thing that's going to be interesting. But, I mean, here, here's the thing. If Frank beats Fedor... And he gets through the Which next it seems round. Like you think he will? I do think he will actually. Okay. Frank beats Fedor. The bracket sets him up actually against Chow. Chow, right? Yeah. You know, I love Chow, but Chow is light in yeah, these fights. Small. Well, both of these guys are small, right? That's the thing. Like Fedor and Chow are small, smaller than the guys. Right. Oh, I thought you meant Frank. I'm like no, no, Frank no, no, is not no. small. Like when you put Frank against either one of those guys, size is an issue. I mean, I really looking at the bracket now. I didn't mean to break this down yet because I did want to look like you said seven months ahead. Uh, but, I mean, this thing is shaping up. Now that Roy's gone, I think this thing shapes up nicely for Frank Mir. And I don't know what Frank's deal is, but they're usually three-fight deals, right? So he took on Fedor. He wins. Semifinals, he beats Chow. Then he fights either Bader, King Mo, or Matt Mitrione. I can't imagine Bellator screwed up and made a three-fight deal for a guy starting off in the tournament to crown their champion. But weirder things have happened. As you're As you're doing this with your hands, I'm going... Well, logic would tell me they didn't do that, except I've seen the sport for <laughs> 25 your, years. Your eyes, when I held up the third finger, like, son of a bitch, that'd be three fights. Yep. <laughs> so you'd have your Bell- Bellator heavyweight champion. Again, not the biggest deal in the world. You could sell a fight on that. Uh, well, and what a. And Frank would make a lot of money well, in a Brock and, rematch. And the UFC would love to do that because it would just so, show how dumb Bellator is in this business. And the thing that I want to point out is, like, we're not. The MMA fans are not in the Bellator business. And and I mean that like in a respectful way. No, I'm not I mean it in a like a prag, like a empirical way, right? Like this weekend they need to do like what the top of the top of of what Paramount does mm-hmm. for it to be worthwhile because in this year alone Bellator 192 was 770, 770,000 viewers. 193, 470. And let's for let's not forget these are on TV. They're yes. basic cable. I, I I'm reticent to ever say free, but they're not pay-per-view. You don't have to spend $70. Correct. 194, 476, 95, 465, 96, 420. Mm. And they're averaging 242 on the Paramount Network. If they get less than a half a million people to watch Fedor and Mir, who cares who your heavyweight champ is? That is true. You, you've got a great point there. And for some context, this past weekend, the prelims on FS1 did more than that. That is pretty crazy. 
I, w- I would not have guessed that. No one that you care about did more than that. Well, we've talked about this with the TV deal before, and we'll, we'll probably we'll touch on this just a bit in a minute when we talk about the Ultimate Fighter. We've talked about the fact no! that we've talked about the fact that UFC and Fox Sports have kind of become intertwined in such a way that look. Yes, there's not a ton of people necessarily watching these prelims, but they've really built that audience in to know where it is, and if they do want it, that's where they're going to get it. Or if I'm going to turn on, if I'm a, I want to see two guys fight, Yep. turn on FS1 or FS2. I bet you there's some UFC stuff on. 100%. The Paramount Network and Bar Rescue and whatever else is on that network, they do not necessarily have that built-in audience. No, because they've lost all of the, like... They, they kicked the spike, spike branding aside, which may be a great move for the network in general. Not a great move for the branding for Bellator. Well, and they lost a lot of the stuff that was on Spike, right? It wasn't that they just rebranded. They lost a lot of the things that you watched on Spike that wasn't Bar Rescue. Right. Right? Um, and a lot of that stuff has ended up, or things like it have ended up on FX also part of the Fox family, right? Mm-hmm. So people are used to floating around. Male trending, Fox Sports, there's a lot of fighting going on. We'll watch that. So, you know, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see. I think if you look at this setup here, Frank Mir's still that guy that a lot of people know. Let's let's not forget, uh, until recently, UFC 100 was the highest pay-per-view buy rate they had. And I know we're well through that, but that's still just a few years ago. Up before Connor, up before Ronda, he was in the other half of that fight. So there's some name recognition there. It would be very interesting. You know, I know we placed Brock in a lot of fights over the past couple of weeks, but holy hell, that'd be another one I think I'd be super interested in just to kind of see where both these dudes are at this point, especially if Frank makes a run in Bellator's heavyweight tournament, which, like Eric said, might end in seven years. Yes, which transitions us into another thing that no one wants to watch is the ultimate Stop fighter, it. women's featherweight and men's heavyweight. Okay, you're going to mark this down. We have recorded this on Thursday, April 26th. This isn't the worst idea for the Ultimate Fighter. (laughs) And I'm going to, because I want to be consistent. I mentioned the reason the Ultimate Fighter needs to end is that the only reason it was good initially is because we had so many great fighters. We had so many untapped fighters at that point in time. At this point, you've got Contender Series. You've got all these sub-leagues. You've got World Series of Fighting. You've got Bellator. You've got so many outlets for these fighters that, hey, we don't really need the Ultimate Fighter anymore. One weight division, though, that I think needs a ton of help, I don't know if they're out there, but God bless them for trying to find them, is women's featherweight. Let's try to find some opponents. Let's try to get some face time there. Maybe... I don't know if there's a lot of these guys because there's a lot of backroom uh, MMA, big brawl kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot of technical heavyweights you're, out you're there. You're not excited about a whole season of tough men showing up at the I tough don't house? know. But let's say we find a couple guys who know the ground game. Are we going to find the next Frank Mir? I don't know. But we might find a guy who's pretty good on the ground, a guy who might spark some excitement in that heavyweight division. I, I think you'd have to agree these two divisions, as far as UFC goes, they're pretty light talent-wise. You might have talked about... Um, was it men's featherweight earlier? Yes. When we talked about men's featherweight, yeah, it's it, it seems light as far as name and drawing power, but those guys know how to fight. Those t- Every one of those top 10 guys could probably beat the other one. Yep. So they all legitimately know how to fight. Top 10, 1 to 10. I don't know if you can say, you definitely can't say that with women's featherweight. We don't know the skill level in there. Men's heavyweight, that's another division where you'd look at it and go, I don't know. I, everybody loves heavyweights, but I don't know if I need to see Alexei Olianik fighting 
Stipe Miocic. Well, that's why you have DC and Stipe, because there aren't any heavyweights so, for him to fight. not necessarily the worst idea no. to try to address this. Am uh, I watching them? No. Give me, like, the final four. Let me watch this, the Ultimate so Fighter is, finale and figure it out. This is a perfect transition. This is why the show needs to go away, and they need to lean into the Contender Series. It's a better show with results faster. Heavyweights show up, bang in a cage, one of them gets a contract, rinse and repeat. Nobody poops in a toilet on the right. top. None of that stuff happens, right? And it's it's one of the reasons why, and you know, you were making fun of me when we walked in, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about the Nick Newell story, because Nick Newell, if you don't know who he is... I just rose my hand. Um, you know, he was fighting in World Series of Fighting. What's extraordinary about him is he doesn't have a left hand. And he is a 14-1 and fighter. His only loss in his professional MMA career is against Justin Gaethje. Oh, wow. And I just tried to put Justin Gaethje into a title fight after a loss, right. so that's impressive. So um, there was some back and forth for the last 12 or 13 months. In fact, two years ago, Dana White said this kid would never fight in the UFC, but yesterday they decided they were going to give him a shot on the Why? Game. Just because they just, thought it would be kind of a freak show factor? I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, 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 please, I say that as respectfully as you can well, because Dana's probably doesn't want to— sign a guy like that without knowing that he can actually fight. Right, but a guy who can fight in the World Series of Fighting and has lost one time to a whirling dervish of destruction is a guy you need to look at no matter what is going on with him. And let's be let's be fair to Dana. Let He puts that guy in the cage 10 fights ago. He's getting raked over the coals. Of course he is. Oh, look at this freak show. You're putting that guy in there to do this. He does it. Oh, blah, 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 blah. So that's, that's why I say freak show fight. This yes. is no disrespect to the fighter and what he's been able to accomplish, which is amazing. And what I would say is my point in bringing this up is the same time they make this announcement about this stupid tough contest and I scream no on Twitter and you laugh about it all day yesterday, every MMA journalist, website, and wannabe is talking about this story about Nick Newell on June in the Contender Series. The Contender Series, friends, isn't on TV. It's on Fight Pass. It's on Fight Pass? I thought it was on YouTube. It's on wherever you want to watch. Right, it on like, YouTube? It's on Fight Pass. I don't know if it streams on YouTube. It might be on YouTube. But oh. the point being, this isn't even where they're, again, investing eyeballs in the TV model. Their more interesting product is the Tuesday Night Contender Series, and their more interesting story right now is this kid coming out of World Series of Fighting who can get into the UFC by fighting on the Contender Series, whose only loss is to a guy that Ken just tried to give the title to. Yeah, I did. Well, I, I want him to fight for it. I just thought it'd be an yeah, interesting fight. Yeah, I think you just want him to be the champ, which I'm okay with. Yeah, and, and, and that, and that division, like 12, who cares? It's going to be like 12 months long. So. They've got 18 interim champs. They're yeah. all ordering belts online. So, yeah, that, I mean, that could be interesting. That That's fun. Um, I, I do like, though... That the UFC with this Ultimate Fighter may be trying to address, at least they're trying to address holes. Look, but, if we've got to do this damn thing, let's try to address some but holes. But couldn't you think about it from a programming standpoint with this Contender Series? You could do the okay, same thing. Okay, but here's the problem, Eric. I'm, I'm just going to, I just want to stop you. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. No, nah. I'm stopping you. The reason I said I think we're almost done with this is because I think this programming is being produced simply because of the Fox deal. Yeah, no, They've got to do it. Yes, I know. There's things we have to, we both work in corporate America. I guarantee there's stuff we do every day that may, we may not believe is the best thing in the world to do, may not be the best for our brand, but we have to suck it up. We have to do it. The ultimate fighter is one of those things for the UFC right now. Yes, but you don't. What I'm saying is you already have a model that works. You owe, you owe them a TV show called The Ultimate Fighter that's 16 weeks long. Right. You don't owe them any. Like, you could bring this show in and do it more of a... 
live feel, right? So it's now heavyweights and women's featherweights that are fighting in this thing, and one of them gets a contract Mm -hmm. every single week for 16 weeks. And you just added 16 heavyweights and 16 featherweights to your roster Hmm. instead of two fighters. Well, Eric's over there in Utopia. I know the UFC's just got to churn out some programming, and that's what we got at this point. My Utopia, though, gets you... 16 heavyweights and 16 featherweights. Yeah, but you, here's here's the one thing I will say. God damn, I can't believe I'm trying to defend the ultimate fighter here. <laughs> here's the one thing I'll say. If you have 16 nobodies, we're going to be back in two weeks after that run ends and go, I don't care about any of these freaking fighters. So at least... You already don't care about any of these fighters. I might care about a winner or a two or okay, some... who was the winner of last season? I might. Who was the winner of the season Look, before that? I now I'm going to have to watch this just to piss you off. I'm going to hate watch it. Who fought last night on The Ultimate Fighter? That was last night? Yeah. You're full of it. Nope. It's not on last night. Yes, it was. Who fought? I, hell if I know. I, I hate the show. I'm, <laughs> I, I've never been a huge fan, but if they've got to do this, they got to do this. Your way, I like the idea. I don't know, though, if we're going to gain any traction on the fighters with that either. I really don't. So the show's going to be on. There's got to be a drama element. You say, oh, they owe them this, this, and this. Come on, man. You and I have worked in media. As soon as somebody shows up and goes, hey, we're just going to put regular fights on, they're going to be like, there's going to be some producer or some. I didn't say regular. Some bag in an office somewhere going, where's our drama? Where's our guy peeing in the sleeping bag? People aren't going to just want to watch people fight. And you know what? They're going to point at ratings on some of these prelims and be right. So God knows. Except for they probably have ratings on this show. That's not good either. That aren't good either. So there you go. This weekend, you get Bellator in Chicago, Mir and Fedor. You can follow along on Twitter and Facebook by searching Wow Show. I am Eric. That is Ken. This is Way of the Warrior.